Heavenly Father, this morning I'm uh, overwhelmed with your presence, uh, with what you're doing in this church, with what you're doing in the hearts of people. And as we open up your word, may you speak to our hearts and push us and challenge us. Maybe just help us to understand you better. But may we see you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. There have been many times over my lifetime where I have received surprise notes. Back in 2004, I left Southern Adventist University up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and moved across the country to Auburn, Washington to be a dean out at Auburn Adventist Academy. The night before I left, I had all my stuff laid out, ready to get packed into my 1995 Honda Accord. I bet some of you had one of those cars too. And uh, Jen was there, and as all my things were laid out, unbeknownst to me, she took sticky notes, and she wrote little sweet love notes, and she tucked them into the pockets of pants and shirts and coats. And throughout the entire year I was out there, long distance from my girlfriend, I would put on a coat that I hadn't worn in a while, and I'd put my hand in the pocket, and there'd be a love note in there. She was thinking about me. In fact, uh, just this last week, I was thinking about these love notes, and so I dug around a little bit in some boxes, and I found uh, the, the, the treasure chest. Look at this bad boy. You think I made this for her? She made it for me. <laughs> Look at this. We got pictures. Uh, there's a few scandalous photos. We'll leave those in there. We got all sorts of things in here. We got this glass box. There's a kiss picture. Don't zoom in on that too much. Uh, we've got rose petals. Uh, I hope those are for me, Jen. Are those, are those ones I gave you? Uh, uh, yeah, she says, yeah, sure, Matt, whatever, okay. Uh, we've got letters in here. Um, uh, th this, was, this one kind of jumped out at me. I'm not, I'm not sure what was going on, but I made her this card. It's a, it's a shirt with a hanger. <laughs> Take notes, young fellas. This is the kind of stuff you need. Whatever. It's a box full of love. In fact, uh, I opened this one. I'm not going to read this one out loud. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, this was uh, back at GCA days where we'd send notes back and forth at Pony Express. Uh, the, the very first one says, hey, I've got five minutes to uh, do this. Sorry, this isn't going to be very long. That's how you start a good love note right there. I got a box full of this. This is a box of love is what this is. A box of love. You know, uh, in, t in 2013, that's 10 years ago, I did Ironman Louisville, and uh, it was going to be the hardest day of my life. I knew it would be. Jen knew it would be. She'd seen me training for over a year for it. And as I got everything ready, I packed it all up, and I put it in the transition areas. The race started. I did the 2.4-mile swim, which went better than I thought, got out of the water, ran up the ramp, went into the changing tent, and I grabbed my transition bag that I'd packed the night before, and I get to the transition area, and I, and I open up to get my bike shorts and my bike jersey, and I pull it out, and inside there is a card that says, to my love, right there on the top. It's from Jen. She's thinking about me. I didn't open it right then, I just put it on a chair, put my bike shorts on, put my jersey on. In fact, I found this picture this last week. This is leaving transition one. You can see the card in my back pocket. It's right there. I don't know where the card is, but I have a picture of the card. I think that counts. And I knew that I didn't want to read it then, but I wanted to wait until the, the most painful, uh, discouraging moment of the race where I could pull it out. And that happened at mile 78. I had 38, 34 miles to go on my bike. And uh, I was toasted. It was 95 degrees that day, kind of like today. 
blazing hot. My legs were just, just toasted. I was discouraged. I had a headwind coming at me. And it's at this moment that I reached back in my back pocket and in, in arrow position, I unfolded this, uh, this note and I, and I read it and, and there was a, a picture of my family in there. I'm crying as I'm riding my bike. People are passing me like, what's wrong with this guy? But that love note right there, at the toughest moment of the race, it was the one that I loved that had written to me to tell me how much she loved me. Over the last several weeks, we've opened up the box with all the love notes in it between Solomon and his bride, Shulamit, and we've seen their love and care for each other, their sweet nothings that they recorded in the Bible. And today, we get to look at another piece that shows us God's incredible love to us. If you've got your Bible with you, I invite you to open it to Song of Solomon, chapter 8. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. There should be a blue book somewhere in front of you that you can follow along on page 483, and it'll, uh, you can read the same words that I'm reading. Song of Solomon. If you get to Psalms, you're getting close. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Now, I'll give you some context while you're turning there. The wedding's already happened. They are married now. I think that they're probably taking their pictures after the wedding. The photographer's taken the bride and groom, and they've probably taken them into some field where there's flowers or something, and, and she's taking pictures of them. Now they're coming back towards the wedding party, and the friends look, and they see them coming. They're holding hands. They're, they're making eyes at each other. It's pretty gross, let's be honest. And as they come up the path, we pick up our story, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Say amen if you found it. That's pretty strong. Here we go. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, starting in verse 5, it says this. The friends say, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Can you see this? Oh, they're holding hands. She's leaning into him. This is what she says to him. She says, under the apple tree I roused you, there your mother conceived you, there she, she who was in labor gave birth to you. Verse 6, here's the, here's the verse we're focusing on today. She says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave, it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. She describes love in that way. I find it interesting that Shulamit, she says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. Now, we don't talk about ancient seals anymore. It's not something we do. I mean, when you send out your Christmas cards, most of you have a stamp that has your family name and your address, and you just stamp it on the back. Some of you use stickers. Little kids, you'll seal stuff with stickers. But at those ancient times, they would often use a seal, like a wax seal, like somebody, oh, our president has a seal. Here's a picture of it. Here's a picture of it. There it is. The President of the United States. There's his seal. Bam. Uh, olden times, they'd take wax, like they'd burn like a, a wax candle, and they'd pour it right there on the letter, and then they'd, they'd take their seal, and they'd press it into the wax, and here's what it looks like after it's been put in there. Yeah, it's this old seal. Uh, kings and queens, they would oftentimes have different seals, and if you're looking for a definition of a seal, because on your study guide you need it, here's the definition. A seal represents ownership, dedication, 
commitment and an everlasting binding guarantee. It's like the seal on the paper says, this is mine. I've got my name on it. I, I own it. This is mine. Ancient times, kings and queens, they would oftentimes have a signet ring. There's a picture of one right here. I don't, this one looks a little Egyptian to me for some reason. Uh, it would be at the end of their arm on their finger that they could press into that wax. So they, it says that it is theirs. They own it. Uh, sometimes they would have a cylinder they'd wear around their necks uh, that they'd have this, this cord that would hang about around their neck and it would hang near their heart. Shulamit says, place me like a seal on your heart like a seal at the end of your hand, the end of your arm. She says, I want to be that close to you. And I find it a little interesting, and I've pondered this a little this week, and I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but she doesn't say, put your seal on my heart. She says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. So I'm not 100% sure, but it's like she isn't saying, I'm claiming you as mine. She just says, put me there like I'm a part of you. Can I have your name? Can I be who you are, that, that you are mine and I am yours? Let everyone know that your name is written all over me. And in this metaphor that we think about with God as our groom and we are the bride, it's our response that says, God, put me close, as close to you as the seal. Let me have your name. Write your name all over me. Let me belong to you. She goes on. We're right there. Verse 6. We'll read it again. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. She says, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. Here's where it gets a little spicy. She says, it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. If it wasn't hot in here enough, it's starting to get hot because she begins to describe their passionate love for each other, this desire, burning desire for him. And if you've ever been in love, then you understand what this feels like. If it's just a, if it's a high school relationship, or maybe it's college, or maybe it's the first couple of years that you're married, uh, you understand this burning flame idea. When Jen and I first started dating, and by the way, I warned her today. I said, babe, I'm sorry. You're all throughout this sermon. I can't help it. It's just, it makes sense. Uh, when we first started dating, we, we didn't want to say the word love because love's a really powerful word, and I don't really believe in throwing it around that much. And uh, for a while after you hang out, you get past the I like you stage, but we didn't know if we wanted to get to the I love you stage, and you're going to make fun of me, and you'll send me emails, but I don't care because I got the girl, I win. <laughs> Instead of saying, I like you, or saying, I love you, we started to say, I loke you. We have people laughing at me, we have people saying, aww, it's kind of a mixed bag. And uh, if, you're a, if you're a millennial, you'll understand this bit very much because what this flame of passion often looks like are photo albums. Sometimes they will be um, uh, sweet notes, but a lot of times they'll turn into mixtapes, am I right? There's only like 12 millennials here this morning. And as Jen and I came to our one-year dating anniversary, I made her a mix CD, and we called it The Loke Mix. And it was covered with these sappy love songs that were just oozing with love from one another. 
like a flame that burns. And while many of us have experienced that burning flame that happens in a new relationship, what happens when the flame begins to flicker and fade? And if I may be so bold to speak straight to the married couples this morning, you and your marriage, your relationship, are under attack. If you don't know it, then you're not paying attention. Because the devil knows that one of the easiest ways to divide Jesus' lovers is to do his best to split a marriage. And if he can't split a couple by causing an affair to happen, he'll choke it out. He'll choke that flame out as best as he can. Listen, every, every Tuesday morning, your leadership team, your pastors, our communications director, our receptionists, we all spend a couple hours together in our staff meeting, and we always start with a devotional, and then we ask, who can we pray for? Who in our church needs prayer? Who's going through something? A lot of times it's health, a lot of times it's kids, but it's almost always every week that we get some that are praying for their marriage. Uh, just within the last year, within the last year we got one that said something like this, Please pray for my marriage. We sleep in different beds. We haven't had sex in over a year. Uh, that's not even the worst of it. Uh, within the last year, there was one that said that we haven't been intimate in over 10 years. And my heart breaks because that's not what a picture of a God-loving flame marriage looks like. Uh, that growing marriage with intimacy looks like text messages throughout the day that says, I love you, babe. It looks like sending random flowers without an occasion other than uh, not, not just Mother's Day or Valentine's Day. Uh, this kind of marriage that Solomon and Shulamit talk about, it's the kind of marriage where you go on walks in the evening and leave your cell phone at home. And the devil wants nothing more than to get out an extinguisher and blow out the flame of marriage or pour cold water on it to make it shrivel up and go away. And I believe that he wants to do this and ruin marriages because it's that flame that's in a human marriage that so closely resembles the flame of God's love to you and me as well. In fact, as we read this passage, this very verse, as it talks about this burning, blazing fire, this flame in this relationship between Solomon and his wife, it's a straight-up connection to God's burning love for us. I'll show it to you. If you look at different translations, they're all kind of different they go to different things, but New Living Translation puts it this way. Uh, it says, love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. The International Standard Bible says this, the flames of love are flames of fire, a blaze that comes from the Lord. So now we're transitioning from human to human to God in the mix. ESV says, love flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. You keep going to American Standard, it says this, the flashes thereof are flashes of fire, a very flame of Jehovah. The last one, if you went straight to the Hebrew, it would translate something like this, that the flashes of flashes are, the flashes are flashes of fire, the flame of Yahweh. Here is where this love story between Solomon and Shulamit, it exposes not just their true love story, but it's the true love story between the God of heaven and human beings. This story... This love story, this flame, this flame of Yahweh, it's the one that burns for you and me from God to us. It's this flame that Shulamit talks about that is as strong as death, but it describes the future. It's like moving through history until you get to Jesus, who his love for us is described through his death. Are you with me? She says it's as strong as death. God's love 
shows how strong it is through his death. You know, the whole Bible is littered with flickers of this flame. You see them all over the place. You see it in Isaiah where God describes his love like this. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. It's like God says, you were dead because of sin, uh, but I've redeemed you and I've claimed you as my own. You are mine. He put his signet ring on us. He rolled that cylinder. He said, you're mine. I love how Paul describes the flame of Yahweh. He says this, Paul says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That passage blows my mind every time I read it. You see the flame in there? It's, it's unextinguishable. It can't be quenched. It will burn forever. Nothing can stop it. Even when sin got in the way, Jesus shows us the flame of Yahweh because he says this in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, my grace is sufficient. It's that flame, this, this burning fire, this true love burning, always burning, continually burning for you. It never goes out. It never starts to flicker. It never can be quenched. It's not affected by what we do. It's not affected by who we are. It doesn't change. That flame of Yahweh burns and it gets brighter and brighter every day. On November 22, 1963, our president, John F. Kennedy, was in Dallas. He was riding in the motorcade in his convertible. In fact, here's a picture of him. There with his wife, Jackie. Pretty sunny day. There's smiles and laughter, and they're doing their best to connect with people. And so Lee Harvey Oswald, here's his picture, using an Italian-made Carcano rifle, he shot, shoots and kills the president. The country loved him. Jackie loved him. His family loved him. Yet the president is dead. In fact, Jackie shares her love for him. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, she says these words. She says, as she's speaking to him, she says, if anything happens, we're all going to stay right here with you, John, even if there's not room in the bomb shelter in the White House. I just want to be with you, and I want to die with you, and the children do too, then live without you. She just wants to be with him. Two days after JFK dies, uh, Jackie orders that a, a special part of his cemetery is created right there in the Arlington Cemetery. You can see his headstone there. She uh, asked for an eternal flame to be made. So the, the propane lines were run. The uh, white picket fence was created. The evergreens were planted to cover up some of the construction work. And at his funeral, Jackie, with a lit candle, she bends down and she lights this eternal flame. You've seen it before if you've gone to Arlington Cemetery. I went there in my eighth grade class trip uh, it was a cold and rainy day, pouring rain, yet the flame continues to burn. It's an eternal flame. It doesn't go out. It doesn't flicker. It never fades. It's an eternal flame. Before time began, before there was even anything, you had the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together, and they're thinking about you. 
They're thinking about what could happen if we created a world, a planet where there are human beings that have this free will and free choice. And as they look down the history in the future, they see what will happen when sin enters the world and they realize that someone's going to have to die for it. Yet because they lit the flame of creation with you and I, they thought it was willing that they, they were willing to die so that we could be with them. That is an eternal flame. That is a flame that never fails. It never dwindles, never flickers, it never fades. It's never ending. God says these words in Jeremiah 31 3. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's the flame of Yahweh. You know, I wonder sometimes how, how much we take for granted God's love for us. I mean, we read about it all the time. Uh, I preach about it all the time. In fact, I would rather preach about God's love than anything else. We hear about it in stories like Song of Solomon. We hear it from, you know, the Good Samaritan. We hear about it in so many different ways. Uh, but do we take it for granted? And I wonder, as God's written his love letter, letter to us, how often do we write a love letter back to him? When's the last time you thank God for his love for you? This morning, I'm going to close with prayer, and I'm going to leave a gap in the prayer for you just to talk to God. And, and I don't know what you're going to say. Maybe you don't know either. Some of you may just say thank you. Others of you may say, I love you back. Others of you, maybe you're just hearing about God's love for the first time, and you want to tell him, I accept that love. But I'm going to pray now, and I'll give you that opportunity here in just a moment. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for loving us, for giving us that eternal flame of love that never goes out. Uh, we're so baffled and amazed by the God that you are, and I pray that you'll continue to move our hearts closer to yours like a seal on your heart. So God, I'm going to open this prayer now for those that would like to talk to you. May you hear what they have to say. God, we thank you, we love you, and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.